0: I want to be able to see every every aspect of a player. I want to see, you know, if a player gets sent off, what led to that player being sent off? What was it? Was it a rash decision? Was it something that had built up throughout the game where you, you know, they, they had done something in their mind that they felt was wrong, they just couldn't emotionally control themselves? And he's here. He is here. Cristiano... The building. Welcome,
1: are, to the old yes, guys. Welcome back to today's episode of Sculpted. Today we have Connor Agar here, and he is a scout uh, working in England. And it's a it's a really great insight for all of our listeners today. Whether you're a footballer, whether you're in the business world, uh, we can take all all lessons from anyone in any field. And today, specifically, we're going to be talking about how, I guess, anyone can kind of make their perception uh, of themselves to be desirable in any any walk of life. Specifically today, we're going to be talking about footballers and how footballers, uh, aside from their skill set, aside from anything that's got to do with football, essentially, how they can you know, stand their ground and uh, come across well to anyone, uh, specifically uh, in Connor's work as a scout, and really work on these small details that maybe you don't think about because this is something that we like to preach a sculpt that is is working on these small 1% details that not many people talk about. So today, Connor, if you can quickly introduce yourself to our listeners, that would be great. Thanks, Nicholas. Um,
0: Yeah, so I'm Connor Agar. Work in, have worked in football for well, 17 years now, mainly in recruitment um, and scouting. So I started as a coach, just working alongside some grassroots guys here in, in the town I'm living on the south coast of England, a little town called Gosport. And um, realised quite quickly, I was still playing football at the time, sort of 16, 17 years old. Uh, realised quite quickly, I wasn't probably going to make it as a as a pro. Listen, I still want to be a pro now, and I'm 34. So um it's it's difficult but uh I realized I realized that that, that football wasn't just gonna stop with playing. Um uh, there's a saying that you're a long time not playing. So I wanted to to kind of focus on some other things. So what I thought was coaching at first, I thought I wanted to be a coach. So I kind of went into the coaching side of things and quickly realised that I really enjoyed watching the game, really enjoyed watching individuals and, and seeing how they kind of made up systems, made up teams, um, and got working sort of in the grassroots stuff locally, for for Portsmouth, um, who are my who are the, the the closest kind of club to me at the, the voluntary basis for a few years. They were fantastic for me, and gave me a lot of opportunities in in terms of that. And then uh, I moved on to working um, still in the grassroots stuff for for AFC Bournemouth, but um, for fantastic, gave me a lot of opportunities and, and they I was one of their scouts that were more focused on on the grass inside of things so players that play a few local sites kind of intent into to the footballing world that way um and then moved on worked for uh main city and all of wanderers so i've had a real range of different aspects within the game which is fantastic um and and, and yes yeah, border my horizons and giving me a real a real insight into the different aspects of the game like i say I've worked right at the bottom in the youth section from under under eight,
1: walked right, right, right through to the professional game,
0: first team. So it's 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 been really good and enjoyable so far.
1: It's crazy, honestly. Like to hear to hear some of the teams, it's um really impressive, and it's going to be a great insight for all of our listeners to hear. Uh, you know, what what the top what the top scouts look for in players and. And to more specifically, the episode today—it's—it's it's even maybe what the scouts are looking for outside of the typical skill and um, the things that maybe the players are more focused on. So that being said, uh, if we go into the the first part of today's episode, and let's discuss what are what are the main things as a scout that you look for in players outside of their skills. So that could be you know their attitude, it could be their their body language, these things that maybe. As I said previously, the players don't necessarily pay too much attention to do these small details that really might make a big difference to your scouting process.
0: Yeah, I think it's 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 very broad, Nick, in terms of of, of an approach and and an individual an individual's outlook on the game. I think as, as as scouts, everybody has a a different eye, so we you know we we see things completely differently. Everybody's Everyone has their own opinion. I think that's the fantastic part about the game is, you know, everyone has their, their own opinions, which is which is brilliant. Um and it adds adds great to to the culture of the team and, and and team ethic, which I think is brilliant. Personally, for me, for things that I look for kind of outside of outside of the skills and the skill set that you'd you'd expect from a footballer in, in different positions, I think it's um it's their reactions and their interactions with people. Um I think it's how you see them setting up for a game on the pitch. Their their body language during the warm up, their interaction with their coach and their peers. And I think for me, it's it, I think talent isn't talent isn't given. You have a you have a, a base line kind of talent, and you know. And I think potential is the, is the biggest word to use. And if you've got potential, it's not just the skill set that that's gotten you to where you need to get to. I think especially within football, I think. There's a lot of different different characters, and you have to align yourself with those characters. And, and, and as much as still being an individual and and still being yourself and honest to yourself, I think you have to have to align yourself with with the principles the, that the your coach or your managers asking you to kind of fall in line with. Um, and the and the best successful coaches and managers and teams, you'll see that all the players individually buy into what what's being asked. So I think the first thing is your interactions with your peers and, and, and your coaches. Um, the next thing for me, I think, is, and, and some people don't have it, but I think it is within all of us and it's, it's kind of like leadership skills. You know, what what do you bring that helps someone bring themselves along with you? Not everybody's going to be at your level and and that could be at any level of football. You could be the best under nine in your side. You could be the best First team player in, in, in your, you know, in your career, and, and maintain a level where you're, you know, you're playing at top top level. Um, but what do you do to help others come along? What do you do to 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 make them better and improve them? And you can watch that on the game. You can you can see that again. That falls under that that interaction banner. Um, and I think it's really really important how how lead others because I think it shows you as a person as well. Um, what else do yeah. I what else have I got? I've got... Versatility. I think versatility is a is a is a massive one. Um, what can you offer a coach? That you know, I think I was a goalkeeper growing up, so my position was very specific. Um, and in terms of versatility, I was very. You're you kind of as a goalkeeper, you're kind of put into into a box, an eighteen yard box for for one of a better word. Um, but you know your role. I think. Further up the pitch, as a defender, midfielder, and attacker, can you be versatile within the the system that you play? Um, can you be can you can you drop from an attacker into a, into a midfield role? Can a, a midfielder play as a fullback? And I think, especially for me, having focused a lot of my time in academy football, I think seeing players play in different positions um, is massive. It, it it really helps you build a build a picture on how a player can. Um, what a player can offer um, in the future you know it, it's always good to build a picture of, of what these of what these players can do um, and I think another thing for me is one thing I've always kind of lived on I was always brought up by my parents was don't be afraid to ask questions like ask questions if you're unsure or if you want to improve you've got to ask how I think and you can see, and again, these are things that can all be seen on a football pitch. These are things that, you know, we, we can all see from from the sidelines. If you want to improve, how do I do that better? How how can I get from A to B and be successful from 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 their perspective? So I think that's something for us, that, um, well, for me, certainly for me, those personality and personable traits I like to look into, um... So yeah, probably versatility. How how do you lead? Um, your reactions, reactions away from the balls, massive. Especially, I think especially in this day and age now, I think your reactions out of possession, um, that key. Like e. How do you? Are you prepared to work hard within the system? Are you prepared to work hard out of out of possession and within transitions? Um, that's that's huge and I think that doesn't come down to any technical element of, of when you're handling a football I think that comes down to your work ethic how you want to be perceived as a person in terms of on the football pitch and, and a player um, you've got to work hard hard work is 90% of the, of the battle I feel
1: it's it's really interesting to hear uh, I think even on sorry the, the the four points that you kind of mentioned there I think in each individual one you can kind of um kind of understand why this is an important uh, component to scouting. And I I, I like the the thing that you just mentioned then with the hard work and these things, because me individually, I believe that for most of my playing career, my, I guess, main selling point for any club has been my attitude rather than my skill. And it's almost been selling the promise of I'm going to be better. When i'm older rather than i might not be the best right now but you know if you nurture my talent yeah. if you nurture me as a person you're going to get that person who you really wanted in the end and i think that that's definitely not an easy thing to convey in a football match especially when the scouts are there enough and if you were to convey that in training which i'd say i do convey that in training quite well i don't think many scouts will come to my training sessions and to also show that consistency I don't think the scat's going to be coming to every training session. So it, it's not an easy thing to do necessarily in a football match. And at the moment, for so me currently, no. so I'm playing in, uh, for a team in Germany. And uh, I'm with the under-19s, but train full-time with the first team. And I've found that that's a massive struggle for me at the moment because my habits that I would have in training previously where I'd be asking the coach questions on how do I do this better? How do I improve? Even just speaking to them before the training session to say, okay, this is what I want to work on today. And then afterwards, how did I go? These things that are, are important for coaches to see and then also scouts to see that you know that this player cares, I, I really am struggling to actually implement because my German's not so great. So these things, it's interesting to see maybe a different approach to even the verbal communication side, it's, I think, body language. Because body language is a massive indicator. And I know that this is what I've heard from scouts as well. Uh, And I'd imagine that this is something that you also look for in players is how they convey themselves with their body. I mean, even just looking at someone who's made a mistake, if their head goes down, it's a great indicator to see their reaction, their response. It's going to tell you whether they're actually going to be affected by it or whether they're going to use this as an opportunity to, to rise up. And sometimes, even then, maybe if you look at some players uh, at the top, maybe their body language isn't great, but they still have a great response. So even then, you know, it's a little bit tough as a scout to, to kind of, you know, at, at a first glance, see this in a player. But it's, it's something that I think that as listeners listening to this uh, episode, they have to realize that you have to kind of, Get all areas across, and you have to. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the response, the uh, how they interact with people, these things, the leadership. These are all aspects that we have to take into account for the greater picture of how we want to be perceived to anyone watching, not just scouts, because it's going to be anyone watching. You know, there could be a parent in the crowd who knows someone who could, you know, later in your life refer you to someone, or maybe they're going to be a head coach one day. You never know. So it's about making a good impression and then it's not just about your skill set necessarily. It's also about your attitude that you bring, the people who you interact with. And that being said, Connor, if you can quickly just go into this topic of just looking at even how people interact with the coaches, I think that would be a really good one to go to go for our listeners to understand. So if we can talk about even just the players walking onto the pitch before they've even touched the ball, what's something that you really like to see in players doing just with their coaches?
0: Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a good question, Nick, actually. Um I've been really, really fortunate to have travelled the world recently and seen some new football um uh, in some different countries and some and, and different cultures within that country as well. Um for example, last year I, I was out watching some European some international European under seventeen football. Um and some of the teams in, in within that within that tournament were culturally completely different to what I'd seen in England, academy level in England. Um, in England, I think we're quite, I'd like to say that, you know, there's a, there's a real intensity beginning to embed across the whole of football, across the world. And you look at how coaches kind of convey that and their intensity within their sessions and, and within, within the, the European side of the game, when you go into the continent, I imagine kind of what you see now, there's a real element of tactical a tactical element within that and it was fantastic to see how preparation was made and how at the top level in talks of european international football uh these players hung on the coaches everywhere hung on the coaches everywhere it was fantastic to see these boys are oh, you're cream of a the crock they, they they're at the top of their academy football playing for some of the best clubs within their countries um and Yes, I believe there needs to be an air of arrogance to you as a as a player to play at the top level. You have to believe in yourself massively, um, and I think that arrogance can come across sometimes. But to not be so, to be humble enough to listen to to information from the body from from the coach and and show that you're listening, because there's a you can show you can listen, and then it, there's implementing it onto the pitch and it's making sure that you know that the bigger picture is coming from someone that is. Giving you the tools to get yourself to the to the end game. Um, that was that was European side of stuff. So I really felt that like there was a there was a humbleness and an arrogance, a real good mix of hum, humbleness and arrogance within the setups of their team, how the coaches portrayed their information, how the players then went about it. And there was a excuse me, one of the sides we were watching, probably one of the best sides in Europe internationally, under seventeen. And they struggled in their first couple of games. But for me, the, the, the really interesting thing for me was you didn't see any of them fall out and go, in, go into individuals. They they carried on working as a team. They carried on. Um, um, and, and how they balanced that confidence and arrogance as well as being humble enough to take on information and be able to kind of implement that into the game. And, you know, like I said, the, the, the top nation that we were watching were up against some lesser nations, and the lesser nations made it really, really difficult for them, but the lesser nations as well, you could see that their hard work, they knew they were coming up against a massive, massive country, and they worked extremely really, extremely hard to kind of make it difficult for them, and and they did that, they did it, and we managed to catch the last game of the, of the season, of the of the tournament, and the, the top side had, had kind of settled into themselves, realised what they were in for, and, and, you know, and really embedded a a work ethic of patience. I think that's another thing as well. You could see that the coach was really hot on just being patient, have the quality to break them down, and just and just be patient with it. And, and in comparison, I was I was lucky enough to see some some Latin American players play for some MLS sides um, this time last year. Um, and again, culturally, that work ethic of Cubans, South Americans, Central Americans their 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 game understanding was fantastic, but their work ethic within it, they never they never ever left anything on, they left it all out on the pitch. And you could really see that. And I think that, that was that was key. That body language came across from from everything. And, and I left left that tournament thinking, you know, North American football is, is is really, really coming on. And there was elements of a big fan of sort of American sports and college sports. You can see within your American football, your basketball, that camaraderie within the team, but that individual style and persona that they have is really is, is slowly drip feeding itself into soccer out there. Um and you can see that they they re- the winning mentality is huge. And I think that's key. I think that's one thing for for, for your listeners to to really hold on to. Like you have to want to win. You have to want to win. You have to want to be the best version of you that you can be, within yourself and within the structure of the the side that you're that you're playing for. Um, and I think body language, no matter how you're feeling, no matter because unfortunately life happens for for all ages, from from eight right the way through to you know till you're an, an, you know an older adult. Um, life happens in, in football. Football is part of life and you have to adapt yourself to things. You have to be able to portray yourself within the game. Um and give yourself the show yourself in in the best light. Body language body language for me is is huge. It's it is it is massive. Um I want to see players work hard. I want to see players running around and you know, and and sweating and trying. You know, that that everyone loves a tryer. You know, go out there and try and and put things in, you know, try things out. Things that might not work. Try things out, but but be positive with it. Have a positive body language. And listen, we're not... I'm not robotic. I, I understand when things go wrong, people are going to be sad and upset about it. And that's okay. It's okay to see that side of people because it allows us to build a real good picture. And we have to see... We have to see the... I don't want to say the negative side. We have to see the side where you feel like you're at the bottom because what resilience do you have to then bring yourself up and, and really, you know, take the game by the scruff of the neck and carry it on. So, so I think body shapes you, your body language and is, is massive. Um, and like I say, I've been lucky to, to, to really see how other internationals use, use body language. I think it's, I think it's great. Um, really, and as from, from a professional standpoint, from my standpoint, really helped me understand the game differently from from different cultures, which I think, you know, in this day and age, a lot of players are going to go and play. Take yourself for example, you're playing out of Germany, a lot of a lot of players are, are seeking new opportunities in other countries. And I think it's, I think it's huge. I think it's huge.
1: There's a few uh, those that I've even just taken down here. So the the one where you were saying. You know, I kind of envisioned it with um, almost a pre-match talk where the coaches, either you're all in a circle or the coach is in the middle. I know basketballers, they love to do this where the coach is like in the middle of the huddle. I uh, In Germany, for example, uh, before and after the game, there's a lot of team talks where it's the coach uh, and the players were all in a circle, like a team huddle. You know, like literally like before kickoff where you've got the teams doing it. We do this as a team. And even in the change room, there's um a lot of opportunities just to be with the coach and and the team, and I think that one thing that I think that even when I'm in the in the stadium, just as I'm, I'm the fourth goalkeeper, so I don't I don't even play minutes with the first team, but even just when I'm in that environment, something that I always try and do is just keep demanding eye contact. Like literally, it's 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 something that I actually found really awkward at first because. Normally, the person yeah. who gives you the most eye contact, you're going to give the most eye contact back to. And I found this out um, in a really awkward way the first time, which was when I was uh, maybe under 15s or so, my first kind of few years of playing um, football. And it was, I was staring at this coach, and it was almost just an experiment that I wanted to see with myself to see is there going to be a difference between me giving him absolute respect and demanding, you know, this 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 focus. And I saw that he actually was only looking at me the whole time. And for about five minutes, we're just looking at each other. And it felt like, well, I'm absorbing this information a lot more than I was if I wasn't looking. And then also he feels like he's getting that deserved respect. And then afterwards, the players asked me, like, why was he looking at you the whole time? And I'm pretty sure I wasn't even playing that game. And I was like, why well, just looked at him. And I th- immediately I was thinking, well, this is going to be my new strategy going forwards because demanding respect from someone helps me even well first of all it helps me just process the the information that they give me because my focus is completely given to them and secondly they they receive that uh respect and focus so that their perception of me is okay well i'm here right now i'm here to learn i'm listening and even if i'm not playing i'm still present and you know what if i'm more present than the other guys i might get that chance you know because they see this yeah, definitely and um I was just thinking, even as a scout, if you're, as I was saying before, before kickoff, before there's even been a touch of the ball, you know, this is something that, that scouts can really look for. And I think it lines in perfectly with the uh, body language, because when we, when we talk about body languages, body language comes into a, a variety of things, because you can have good body language going into a game, into your warm-up, things like this, but consistent body language is what even you were talking about, where you want to see them at their, quote-unquote, lowest their reaction to that new event, if their body language drops dramatically because of that, then that's that's a great indicator of their personality. So if we can see a consistent, you know, shoulders back, forwards, smile on their face, or uh, depending on the position, you know, obviously for, for a goalkeeper like myself, I try and keep a smile on my face because I know that as a goalkeeper, you have so much pressure. If you're too focused and you're too uh, black and white, you actually are probably more susceptible to making a mistake and this is something that I've realized uh, with even just speaking with our previous guests and things like this, your optimal around, uh, your optimal state of arousal for a goalkeeper is going to be very different to a field player because a field player, they can go into a yeah. game, you know, almost angry, almost like they want to prove a point but for a goalkeeper, if you do that, you're kind of chasing the game. You you would know this yourself. You know, you can't chase the game as a goalkeeper and going in with that attitude Yeah, it's not the right, it's not the right thing so for me at least it's always having a smile just showing that i'm 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 here i love to be here you know whatever happens happens so this is something that myself i can try and keep consistent to just show anyone watching that you know yes bad things will happen in a game and there's not going to be a perfect game especially for a goalkeeper but one thing that you can keep consistent is your body language you know as i said the shoulders back smile on the face these things are, are perfect to portray character and attitude because as the whole reason why we've got you on this episode is to talk about the importance of this. You know, I can say this as much as I want, but the people are only going to listen when they hear someone like you reinforcing that because at the the end of the day, you know, my job's a player. I'm not a scout. So someone to reinforce this is, it's crucial because I think that as you said, going from country to country, you know, it can vary. And I think that, uh, Germany is a country where obviously I've got the most experience in um playing at a higher level in Australia I was playing at a good level but I wasn't at a professional level I mean I say that but I haven't made my professional debut in Germany either but kind of similar um in terms of I was in a professional environment in Australia but now I'm a full I'm in a full-time yeah. professional environment in Germany just to be clear haven't made my professional debut but um I can see the difference in countries even. So even pre-match in Australia, I know that it's different to pre-match in Germany. They're, I guess, something that you might see in the Germans, they're very passionate. They kind of celebrate like the NFL players do whenever there's a save or a big moment. They literally just celebrate together. And in Australia, I never saw this at all. Like, even um, I played for arguably the best team in Australia at the time, Sydney FC. And we would know when we're in the change rooms and the team the under the, the group below us, let's say the under sixteens before us are playing their game and we know that we hear like there's a there's a goal being scored and we would know whether it was our team scoring the goal or if it was the other team scoring the goal. Because our team, you don't know if a goal's been scored. It's quiet. The parents even know to, parents know to be quiet because it's like you at, at sydney fc it's like you have to be quiet you have to be humble you have to be just focused on everything and it's um it's a very very different approach to germans because i know that in i guess you can look at even bayern munich or the big teams in germany you watch a save you watch a yeah. goal line clearance everyone is celebrating the goalkeepers <laughs> doing the jordan pickford like arm frost and everything like it's 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 a massive difference to australia and for me it's a, even a I tried um doing it in my Australian team when I was um i have been back and forth from Germany twice now, so the first time when I came back to australia uh, i was I tried to implement it in my team and I actually looked like a bit of a mug honestly like I was thinking I'm the odd one out here i look I look stupid and it's it's a it's a massive difference so these these are things that from country to country can vary quite a lot, and even position to position can vary quite a lot because I know that. Again, to go back to my experience in Germany as a goalkeeper, obviously I'm going to have more information about this than any other position or any other country because you know this is my situation. But something that I've noticed is that German goalkeepers, their posture. If you look at the the ones yeah. who are at Bayern Munich; their posture is top the whole whole game, walking onto the field, amazing posture. And then if you go to another country, I mean, to be honest, I I can't really name you this country, but I'm sure there's a country out there where the goalkeepers. You know, posture might be horrible. You know, the it might be completely a complete juxtaposition to the to the German goalkeepers, and it's it's something that I think as a scout you would see this firsthand, obviously. And as you were explaining, you know, from country to country, you do see these differences. Uh, but for me, I'll, I was wondering if you can quickly go over, let's say, three things that you look in for a player. Actually, let's go three things you don't want to look for in a player. So it could be after a mistake, if their head goes down and, you know, they're just focusing on maybe even just their feet, you know, the the eye contacts here. What are three things that you don't want to see in a player?
0: If I'm honest, I don't ever look. I think when I first started in the scout, I think I was really, I always looked for the things they didn't do too well. And I really, I probably felt, I probably fell into a real I'll I'll probably say negative outlook on looking at players. I'd always focus on what they didn't do too well. And in the last five, probably five or six years, I've kind of had to change my mentality and how I want to see what I want to see on the football pitch. And instead of looking for the things that they don't do, I focus on the things that they do do really, really well. So in terms of your question, I probably don't look too heavily at what they don't do and if they do do something that i think oh, probably let's let's talk about emotional control for example and excuse me and they might give away the ball several times and then because they're frustrated they might make a rash decision in in a tackle or you know th- things like that but what i what i tend to do if we use that example of they give the ball away several times and then they go and make a, a rash decision after is the decisions that they made in terms of passing that football, were they the right ones? So were they trying to play forward? Were they trying to create an opportunity in the attacking third or or, or wherever they were on the pitch? Were they trying to retain possession if they're a more defensive type player? Were they trying to play out seven times? You know, so I think I have to try and and micromanage the, the little scenarios that happen within the game Because what I don't want to do is automatically go, well, three times he's tried to play out from the back and every time he's tried to break the lines with his first pass, passed it into the central midfielder of the opposite team. And then write that player off. Because actually, when you look at what they're doing, if they're being asked by the coach to play a specific way, he has to go or she has to go through that adversity to then learn. So they have to take those risks. So for me, as much as I'd love to give you three things that I I don't want to see, I want to see everything. I want to be able to see every every aspect of a player. I want to see you know if a player gets sent off, what led to that player being sent off? What was it? Was it a rash decision? Was it something that had built up throughout the game where they you, you know they they had done something in their mind that they felt was wrong, they just couldn't emotionally control themselves. And then what happens as scouts? We tend to watch players more than once anyway. So then if that starts to happen on a consistent basis, Nick, that's when we can start to build that little bit of a picture where we go, okay, I've now seen this on two or three separate occasions. The ne- the negatives or the things that they, they, they don't do too well will probably outweigh the things they do do really, really well. Um, and would the stuff that they're doing not so well will that impact negatively within our environment? And I think that's the, that's the most important thing, I think. It's it's taken a big shift in my mind to, um, to have to find, not find positives because I think we can all find positives in everything, but it's to to take the positives out, out of every situation, to enable me to build a picture on a player. Um, so I think that's that that's key. Um, listen, as you know as an as an individual as an individual player, I think goalkeeping is very very individual, and I think as you know as a goalkeeper, there's things you're going to make mistakes. You'll make mistakes in training. There'll be drills that your coach sets up that you know might take you a while to cognitively switch on to. So therefore the the process leading up to the finishing part of the drill, you might not understand. So you've then got to work in your mind how show resilience again. That word resilience show how you can adapt to the to the session. Taking that into the game. In the game you can't reset again and, and, and try the drill again. So again, it's how you rebound from that mistake. It's how you rebound from if you're playing out from the back and you over hit a pass to the fullback, it goes out to the goes out for a throw in for the opposition. Do you do it again? You know, and for a scout, it's it's looking at a goalkeeper and you make a note and you you do. If we're watching the goal if I'm watching a goalkeeper, goalkeepers union, I'm a little bit biased, so I always tend to watch the goalkeepers a little bit closely. Um but when you when you watch the goalkeeper do they continue to take risks? Do they continue to do the things they want to do? And then when it comes to moments of where they need to be, um, what's the word, when they need to be real accountable, do they come out with passion and do they come and take the ball? Do they come and be confident? Do they demand everything around them so that their defenders know, actually, he's still in the game? So, you know, we can talk about goalkeeping. And it's the same on the pitch. Central midfielders have give the ball away a number of times. How do they then react to, to giving the ball away? Do they rashly chase it and try and? Do they come out of the team shape now that they're out of possession to try and press and win the ball back? Um, does a centre forward who misses a you know misses an opportunity? Um, does he take the next opportunity? Does he or does he does he pass it off to someone else to 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 have another go? So, you know, I think it's a great question. What do we not look for? Um, personally. I try to analyze the situations and, and try and take the positives out of, out of them as much as I can.
1: Yeah, I, I think that you kind of, um, my question, right, of the three things that you don't do, I mean, my original, you may have even heard my stutter. I was going to say, what are three things that you do look for? But then I kind of thought, okay, let's go for a different approach. But I think it's it, it makes me realize that it's it's a completely individual process of scouting. There aren't necessarily a, a tick like a, a list where you have to tick off every single thing to you know. Oh, that's that's the next mess, Lionel Messi. You know, it's not necessarily that thing. So uh, it kind of you know makes even our listeners just more aware that you know you just have to show you, you just show you, and then you just show the best version of you. That's what the scouts want to see. They don't want to see you necessarily not doing this thing. You just have to show what you've got to your absolute ability and. That um, kind of ties into what I want to say for the next thing, which is uh, sticking to principles. I think is a massive thing for the, for what you were just saying. Then uh, I can quickly uh, show myself uh, in a game. I'll pop it here when we're for YouTube people who are, who are watching it right now. Uh, they'll see my goalkeeping where I'm coming out as a sweeper keeper. Uh, I can't include the moment where I've stuffed up, but that's in there as well. That's that's um. That was one of my worst games, I came out and I completely just mishit the ball, I came out, chested it and then passed it straight to their striker, but <laughs> not a great moment. But you know the most important thing is that that same game, I kept on coming out, kept on being a sweeper keeper and I wasn't in the best uh, state of mind at the time because I think I made a mistake the game before and you know as a goalkeeper you know it's tough so I, but the most important thing is, is that I stuck to the principles of what the coach want, wanted me to do. So I hope that the video is still playing now because it's a, it's a long video of me coming out for balls from, let's say, 18 yards to halfway where I'm coming out, coming out, sweeping the ball. And it's this ended up being one of my biggest strengths, but that didn't come with the mistakes. And uh, for even my coach, he knew yes, there's going to be mistakes where I give away goals. I mean, I think there was only one goal where I gave away in that situation. But the amount of goals that I potentially evaded from coming out is much greater than the goals that I conceded. So sticking to the principles rather is something that I think that uh, you mentioned where it was okay, let's say let's set it back to playing out and he passes the center uh, of let's say the nine who's coming across and pressing. Well, if that you know defender then just goes long every time, it tells you a lot about that individual because it's one of two things. you know maybe they just they're not skilled enough uh, to keep playing out, which that's not necessarily a bad thing. If they're playing and if they're playing, you know they have other qualities as well, I'm sure. So seeing that they're still wanting to do that, they will be able to learn how to do it the right way eventually over time. The most important thing is that they're sticking with that principle. But if they maybe don't agree with the coach's philosophies, or maybe they don't back their ability completely. They might have a very fixed attitude towards playing out and they play out once, they can't play out, they go along every time. That's going to tell you a lot about that individual. They might not respect the coach's philosophies. They might not even, I mean, let's say the coach doesn't have a set standard of how to play out even. It tells you a lot about this individual. So what I would say for anyone listening is just to stick to the principles of what the coach is telling you. Even if you don't want to do it, it will show a lot of character that you're repeatedly trying to do things over and over again we're not even trying to get that desired. we're not achieving that desired result sorry um so i think that is very important for all players uh listening and i think that's important in life in general as well this is a rule of thumb because sticking to your principles uh something that i will repeat time and time again in this podcast uh that i've been you know doing for a few months now is you have to do everything you do with hundred percent can't do it at 50% or 75% because you're leaving too much off the table for you to realize if you're doing it right or wrong. Because it's important to know that you're doing something wrong to realize that you're doing something else right. So you have to know what's wrong to figure out what's right. And I think that sticking to your principles is a great way to do it. And uh, to kind of transcend into the next kind of aspect of uh, what what I want to talk about today is making... A brilliant impression throughout the game uh more specifically I want to touch on pre like a uh, warm-up phase and let's say after the game I think let's go for after the game first when talking about referees specifically the most recent recording that I've done uh for the podcast I don't know when this will be uploaded but in the most recent recording it was with someone called Simon Hill who Originally he was from uh, England. He came to Australia and now he's a commentator and TV host uh, for football. So what we talked about was refs and not just not just refs, but in the episode we talked about refs and we were talking about you know VAR things like this. How refs get a lot of stick for decisions and it's not necessarily the most fair criticism and then also with VAR even having a second opinion on an opinion, it's it's not easy. So I think that respecting referees shows you a lot about a player again. Now again I country to country, respect varies to referees a lot. Uh but also I think that there is a common not agreeance, but there's a common characteristic that most footballers have where it's a blame game towards referees. And I would like to hear your opinion on a player confronting a referee, a player being rude to a referee, uh, speaking with the referee, or even just, you know, being nice to the referee. Something that I always try to do, which is what I talked about with Simon, was that no matter what the referee's decision is, you have to agree with it because that's that's the card you're dealt, right? Even if it's a penalty and it wasn't actually, it may, or, you know, it's debatable, but let's say it's, could have not been a penalty as well. Well, what's the actual call? Now it is a penalty. What are you going to do? You can't. You can't change that opinion now because it's just an opinion. So, to the, to the point, what are your uh indicators of a player who is interacting with a referee? it's subjective. I think again, it
0: falls down to um, taking every situation as they are. So how it happens on the pitch, what's leading up to it on the pitch. Um, how the player's attitude's possibly been throughout the game as well. Um, Referees are human. They make mistakes. Equally, footballers are human. They make mistakes. So I think it's understanding that. Um, Again, for me, you can can talk about, actually you can use it as, you know, two examples. You can watch a player and they have a game where they are consistently going at the referee and it's the referee's fault. Everything that goes the wrong way, it's the referee's fault. Um, you can watch them another time. They don't have any interaction with the referee. Um, so again, it's building that picture across across a broad horizon of, of games and, and understanding. Um, I know some goalkeepers, and I've watched some goalkeepers, that the best way of them staying within the game, so if they're playing for a side that dominates possession, the best way for them staying in the game is consistently interacting with the linesman, Always talking to the linesmen, always appealing for decisions to the linesmen, because it naturally keeps them in a mental state of, within the game. Some players naturally do that. I don't see it as being rude. There's other ways, probably better ways, you could probably stay within the game. And you know, if you sort of men- mental coach and you spoke to players and coaches at other clubs or in other institutions, rugby, for example, you know, there's a, a real high demand of respect with rugby on on the pitch, and you could we can all learn. I think we can all learn a lesson from respect from rugby players and the intensity that they go through um, for, for an 80 minute game um, so I think it, again it, it's building that picture for me, it's building that understanding of what's led up to it because a certain incident happened, has this happened the key thing for me sometimes is like if there's a bit of a melee and, and a player comes out of nowhere why, why have you got involved in it secondly you have to go you have to sit and go: Are they doing it for the team? Are they doing it from an individual perspective because they just want to go in and be aggressive? Uh, so there's real, there's a, there's a lot of elements that, that, that kind of fall into it for me. Um, I don't necessarily like to see it. I don't like to see it. I don't like to see, but no one likes to see disrespectfulness. You know, I, I wouldn't like to see a player uh, disrespect a fan. I would like to see a player disrespect a coach. Um, I think. The way you treat the lowest regarded person in the room is a massive indication to the person that you are um you know and i think sometimes we all fall, we all fall foul to it we all fall foul to talking disrespectfully to people again other elements of life come into consideration when you know we're going on to the football pitch. So is it's a it's a difficult one. It is a really really difficult one. So good question. Um but from a personal perspective I like to build a picture. So if and again as well the majority of scouts will work within a team who will naturally see the player that I may go and watch. He may have been watched four or five times before. Um, and it's, it's it's building that picture from around have other scouts seen Do so you speak to your colleague? You know, did you see this happen? Did that happen when you saw such and such? And, you know, it's built again. It's building that picture to help you make your decision. But I think it's it's taking every situation individually and and and, and making a judgment on on that for me.
1: Yeah, so it really is building a full picture of that player and uh, the situations that you see them in because uh, I think that. Let's say if the player is, you know, interacted with the ref not the best way once, but 99% of the times they're pretty good or excellent, you know, you've already got that pre-established picture that maybe this is a one-off. And just like making a mistake on the football pitch, making a mistake in presenting yourself, that's hap- th- that'll happen. And having that that full picture of the person that you're looking at and I guess other accounts of that person from different people who as he's mentioned you know if you've got a team of scouts who are looking at a individual player you're going to have different accounts different perspectives and having that full picture of the player is definitely really important so I guess for our listeners listening to understand um and not just having this in a football aspect it's in a life aspect in general having a full picture of uh different situations in life where you want to expressing yourself to let's say you're being judged you know you know in all areas of life we're always judged so i guess it's remaining as uh true to yourself as possible which could be a variety of things as the listeners would know uh, uh from listening to my podcast it's for me it's professionalism dedication and effort well i want to be every situ in every situation i am faced with i want to show that professionalism dedication and effort so let's say there's a situation where i'm with the ref i want to be as professional as possible you know maybe it's a little bit harder to show my dedication and effort but there are there are situations where i can show myself and i can at least attempt to show myself to my best of, to the best of my avi- uh, ability and through this we can get a bit of consistency which will help the person observing me uh make and kind of put that full picture together of that player and this uh, is another kind of topic that I want to talk about because with a lot of the guests that I've had on uh, a lot have been as I've said mental skills coaches psychologists to where uh, some of the information that even today we might say it could conflict with uh, a psychological or mental skill approach because let's say if it's all about I mean, not that we've mentioned it today, but let's say it's all about if you're looking at the player and you want to see him angry, you want to see every tackle he goes into with great anger, right? Maybe from a scouting perspective, and I'm not saying that's what we've talked about today, but some scouts, they might think that's not a good thing or another scout might think that is a good thing. So there are there are different uh, psychological and you know skill-based things that could be seen as a good thing or a bad thing. And as as I've been saying, what I want to go into next is talking about the character of an individual. And more specifically, again, I'm sorry for all the listeners who are bored of me talking about goalkeepers. But it's a great example because Aaron Randstout, he has got brilliant character. And there has been uh, an episode that's gone out, I believe, maybe it was Ben Foster. I honestly can't remember. But a podcast episode with Aaron Ramsdale talking about even his interactions with fans and things like this. I think he was talking about uh, how when he was versing Chelsea, him, I think, waving at a fan, he was told off for by a security guard. And he explained it on this podcast episode that that fan had been giving him stick the whole game. And the security guard did nothing about it. But Aaron Ramsdale gives a wave to him and he's told off for it. So... From a uh, external perspective of a scout watching this, okay, maybe you know, for the for our listeners who are listening, maybe they're not playing in front of you know fifty, sixty thousand people where they're getting dogs abuse. But uh, <laughs> as a perspective, I know even in games that I've played with, I've had I've had players who are actually talking back to parents who are giving them dogs abuse, which I thought, okay, that's that's a bit crazy. I like, think it's quite unprofessional. Um, but what are ways that you see? Uh, players and external voices, let's talk, let's say, like, coaches, um, fans, other players, how would you like to see... Now, obviously, again, we are basing this on an individual perspective, so as we've been talking about, you know, there's going to be a bigger picture of that player, but uh, a good response to external criticism, feedback, things like this, how would you think the best way as a player to deal with this would be
0: great question very good question um i think it's it's always interesting isn't it it's always interesting to see how players interact with things i'm quite fortunate uh, academy games you don't have seventy thousand people so you can sometimes hear the interaction between players fan like parents coaches you, you know you, you can you can kind of hear that and that helps again build a picture um I think, for me, my experience, having built, thought, you know, a vast array of experience over the years, we don't see what the players see. So, I'm not their eyes. I'm not their brain. I don't transmit information into their head and 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 see it how they see it. And I think when coaches expect players to do things the same way as they do when you see that come off that understanding that click that reaction the encouragement that the coach then gives the player from the sideline it feels as a, as a scout for me from the sideline it feels me with a little bit of, you know joy and happiness that you know the, the players excelling and they are really really excelling and that's a real positive for me um and that's a positive situation and a positive scenario Um, and I've been at games where a a coach tries to relay information to a player that's not quite doing the things that's being asked of them Um, and how does that player then react does the player then react with a shark and he's like no I'm not doing what you've asked me to do carry on doing what I need to do but do they implement that into the game and 9 times out of 10 you see a shift in their personality you see a shift in their mentality and and they take on board the information that they're given, and their game improves and I think the, the point I'm trying to make, Nick, is that you need to use interactions as a positive and not a negative. I think what needs to happen is we need to, a little bit like what I said back, in, back at the beginning about don't be afraid to ask questions, but also don't be afraid to be questioned. Unfortunately, in life, as much as we would love to have a perfect life where it works fantastically and everything flows and it's, it's sunny all the time, Unfortunately that, that doesn't happen and we have to go through adversity and interactions have to have adversity and we have to be able to pick ourselves back up and learn from them. And one thing that you said about the mistake that you made where you were the sweeper keeper you took on the chest and you ended up passing it into the night, like you would have learned so much more from that mistake than you would have if you had stayed in your eighteen yard box, you'd been a one one D one, one with another nine and technically you took the right body shape and, and you save you saved the, the ball from going to the back and there. Because you work on your technical ability and saves for three hours a day, three to four times a week, to then put into a nineteen minute game. And I think there's a real there's a real beauty of, of falling and learning and picking ourselves back up. And I think that's what has to really be taken from every interaction. Um people have put on this people have put on put into scenarios to test us how do how do we how do we kick on how do we develop and how do we then reflect on those things and sometimes we need to react negatively listen i'm not going to write somebody off if they react negatively again like i said in the in the previous bit about referees if they have a negative experience and next time i watch them and i go over my notes of watching you know i'm watching the dog and duck on a sunday morning how did joe smith interact on the dog and duck? oh well he's he done this on a saturday and then the following week, how is he done the following week? You know, so so yeah, so there's 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 real real elements I think that we have to take from across the board, negatively and positively. Um, because we have to see it. We have to be able to see it. I don't think there's ever gonna be a person that's able to have a a, a perfect career and a perfect life where you don't go through something that's wrong. So yeah, so for me, I think it's, you know, all interactions are great. All interactions are, 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 are to be learned from and to be taken. I've said it a few times, but to help build a picture. Have to learn to, how do you build that picture? So, yeah. So, so, for me, I think... Have I answered that question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Is it is it right in the sense of, you know, I think... um, I think, for me, the... um. Every interaction can be be taken for what what it is. Um, I think it's... We can perceive things as negative and positive all the time. And if you consistently see something that you perceive as negative, that's always going to build a lesser picture. But I think if you see... And again... You're talking about different ages as well, as well Nick. I think for, for someone like yourself, I think your, your interactions, I think your understanding, being away from home in a, in a foreign country for you, you need to make sure that everything for you is positive. And I think that's in the forefront of your mind is that you have a real opportunity here. So for you, you're going to continue to latch on to that opportunity and instead of seeing it as a negative sometimes and, and listen, I can't imagine at sort of eighteen years old, you're halfway across the world, probably on your own in, in the sense of living on your own, having to get around in a, in a foreign country, not speaking the native language to you know as, as your first language, you could easily turn that into a negative interaction and go, do you know what?" this probably isn't for me I'm probably best off going home back to Sydney or back to Australia and just doing what I did but where's the growth in that where do you and 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 listen your journey may take you back to Sydney your journey may take you back to Australia and you may end up back there and that might be where you spend the rest of your days um but unless you had come and done this, and unless you'd come and have this positive, in, in, this positive experience and positive interactions with these with these coaches who see the game a little bit differently, because we all see the game a little bit different, these interactions build you as a person. And I think as a scout, we know that, we see that, we understand that. And I say we, I say me, I understand that, I see it, and it helps really build. Those pictures, again, I've I've probably touched on it a million times in this podcast about building a picture. Everything does have to create a profile and a picture for us because ultimately we're looking to put this person into a club and a team environment and they have to be a fit. So I don't write people off after a negative interaction with fans, coaches, other players, because unfortunately... in the moment, in the heat of the moment and, and at the intensity and level that these players are playing at, these things are gonna happen. These negative these negative negative experiences and interactions, they're gonna happen. You know, and, and we've got we've got to pull little snippets of information out and, and make sure that we see we see that as well.
1: Yeah, there's there's been two really great points that I, I, I took from that. First of all, I think that the original point where you were saying when I came out for the Sweeper Keeper thing, I was better for making that mistake than if I wasn't to make that mistake, which I think is key for a lot of people listening here. It's to actually make those mistakes because you want to make sure that you're better off for making the mistake than if you weren't to. Because you can learn so much more from making the mistake, as you were saying, right? So this is actually just an opportunity to rise and to grow from it and to learn from it which is what what I've been saying previously. It's you want to you do it with 100% so you know what's right or wrong, right? So making the mistake and being better for making it, that is where the gold is. And the second point is where you're talking about every opportunity where there's an interaction or anything like that. It's actually just an opportunity to show your character and to take accountability for your situation, right? When When we're talking about, for me, moving overseas by myself, you know, 18 years old, Foreign country, foreign language—these are all excuses that I could use to say this isn't why I'm doing this. This isn't why. This isn't working. But really, my the the better way, for example, and the the approach that I have taken personally is these are things that are going to make me better because I've taken accountability for them. And I think that this is from what we from what we've spoken about today. This is this is golden, any of the listeners to hear because. Taking accountability for what you can control, not using them as excuses, but taking uh, that accountability for growth. This is is where the true, you know, power comes from as an individual. And this isn't necessarily a footballing thing. This is something that in life, you know, taking the steps out of your comfort zone, not using it as an excuse, but using it as something that's made you the person of who you are today. And, and having that in alignment with who you are as an individual, where I was referring it back to my morals, you know, I came over, uh, without a club to Germany, I was here for six months without a team, just trialing around, traveling all around Germany. I could have used that as a great excuse to why I'm not on a professional contract. You know, Oh, I was doing this, doing that, doing that. I, I had this alignment that, you know, okay, my professionalism tells me, okay, I've got to go to these clubs. I, even even though it's outside of the transfer window, I've still got a network, you know. I mean, I got to Connor today speaking speaking with him on LinkedIn. You know, this is my network. This is how, this is how I've gotten my success in football. Okay, so there's my dedication. There's my professionalism, my effort, and I guess in alignment with dedication and professionalism, it's, I, I kept on going. And, you know, my first trial inside of a transfer window, I was fortunate enough to side as a professional team. And this, this this growth is what's helped me as an individual, And I think from today's episode, it is the clear message for me, at least is, you know, someone looking at you from an external view, they have this picture of you, right? There will be faults, there will be mistakes, but you have to stick to who you are as an individual for them to get the best reading of yourself. And if you don't, if you don't go with that, if you go 50% of that and you're going with someone else's opinion and say Oh, okay. For example, let's say in a footballing world, okay, uh, play out, play out from the back every time, play out from the back every time. But I'm going long every time, or fifty percent of the time, and I'm not sticking to the principles of what that person who, okay, yes, people will tell you to do things, but the coach who is someone who you should be listening to, even if they're suggesting the wrong thing, this is the image that influences you the most. Your coach is someone who you should listen to. Even if they're telling you the wrong thing, you have to show that you're listening to the coach because this is going to be a reflection of your character. So having the reflection of your character in the right direction at 100%, this is the best uh, picture that someone can form of you. And I think for anyone listening today, as I said, football and not football world, anyone can take this information that sticking to your morals, sticking to... uh who you are as an individual, this is the best way that you can portray yourself to anyone who is going to be critiquing you or, you know, learning from you. So, that being said, Connor, uh, the final question for this episode is what are three ways that you sculpt yourself every single day or three or not even three ways, just a few ways um, that you would see beneficial for other people uh, in your field or let's say, for players who you want to be watching, what are three ways that, you know, being said, could sculpt yourself, themselves, to become better every single day? Um, I think for me,
0: it varies, Nick. I think um, I'm in my mid-thirties. Two young children, Cart now. Um, and I think for me, it's about how how do I want my children to see me? What can I? How can I influence them? First and foremost, I think I have to be—I have to be—the person I want them to kind of look up to and take take things from me. I don't want them to be me. Listen, I can't. Oh, it doesn't want to be more more of me in the world. Um, but can they take snippets of my personality, my experience, things that I like to teach them? and 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 goes from there. But the things I look for in myself, um, and the people that I like to surround myself around and be around is like honesty. You know I think that I think sometimes honesty can be a bit of a taboo. People don't want to be honest because sometimes it can be seen as being offensive. Um, and I think done in the right way and done with the right empathy and 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 the way that you you address the situation honesty is a fantastic tool so I think like we have to be honest and that's you know that's honest of ourselves as well you know I, sometimes I have to and I've done it many a time and I sit down and I reflect on on did I do that the right way did I did I go about it the right way to me um, decisions I made from work and you know my, my previous line of work I used to work in education sit down and go right did you did you did you do the right thing then and have that honest conversation? But also go into somebody and asking for their honest opinion on how you dealt with it. I think that's 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 one thing that helps helps me helps me daily. Um, the second one for me, again, I think for for your listeners as well, and if we talk about footballers, is approachable and respectful. I think there needs to be an element of and I think that goes hand in hand with honesty. I think there needs to be an element of, if we take you for example, Nick, in, in your current situation in Germany, you go to, you go to you go to training, you train with your individual goalkeeping coach, three other goalkeepers, and I imagine those three other goalkeepers, you're probably the youngest or around the youngest, and everybody else is 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 older than you and, and has a little bit more life experience in terms of what you've got. However. You'd be naive to think that you can add something to me as a person or them as a person, because your life experience is completely different to what the majority of people do. By leaving your home at seventeen, eighteen years old to travel the world, to chase your your dream and your goal of where you want to end up, um, and I imagine there's times that you've sat on that long flight from Sydney back to Germany, and it's probably what eighteen, nineteen hours long, where you've 30. gone. 30 30 hours long where you probably sit and reflect and go this probably isn't for me I'm, I'm probably making the wrong decision and then you get back to your flat and you get back to your flatmates and your teammates and you go do you know actually I'm making the right decision and people can draw from that be approachable, sit down with you and go what makes you want to do it you know these I imagine some of the players in your football team have got young families you know, and they're going. They, they, I, if that's me, I'm going. I'd want my son to go and chase his dream, but how do you go around having that conversation? Be approachable and respectful in in how you find that information out. You know, the conversations you have with your parents to go, mum, dad, like I'm, I'm gonna go here, but I'm gonna leave home. Bear in mind, you're their baby. You're and and listen. I'm 34 and I'm still my mum's baby. So it's uh, it's all right. Um, it's having those difficult conversations. And I think you just need to be approachable. People need to be able to approach you to ask those questions. You know, what did it take you to wake up one morning and go, I'm going to pack my bag and I'm going to go to Germany and I'm going to try. I'm just going to try. You know, and, and having that. And, and I think people just need to be open to those type of conversations. So I think honesty and approachable, you know, being approachable and respectful is is one thing that that, that, I, that I kind of try and pin myself to. Um, and the last one for me um, is hard work. It's hard work. Um, you're never going to be, there's always going to be someone better than you somewhere. There always is. But if you can sit down and say that I've worked my hardest and I've tried my hardest to get me to where I've got to, and no one can challenge that, Nick. No one can say to you, Well you didn't try hard enough. Because if you can put your hand on your heart and go, do you know, what? I feel like I did everything I needed to do, then that's enough. That's enough. Like if and it will it will take you to an it will take you to a, a level and some people's levels will stop there. But that hard work doesn't stop because you can you have to maintain work. Some people's hard work will take them above that. There's that's there's, there's the saying, isn't it, that um Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And it's true. It's very, very true. The most talented sportsmen in the world, we're not just talking football here, the most talented businessmen in the world, the most talented businesswomen and sportswomen and athletes around the world, they have talent. They do have talent. And it's you can see it. Um, but their hard work is what's gotten them to the top of their game. And it's what's kept them there. Most importantly... It's what's kept them there. So the three things that sculpt me to answer your question. Honesty, approachability and, and respectfulness. Um and hard work.
1: Top. Top stuff. I think that um just to quickly touch on your point of uh, you know, hard work. I think that to a degree, um, everyone is gonna be working hard. But the things that maybe can really excel people to get further than the competition, which is something that I really pride myself on it and which is even a major reason why i started this podcast is you know a lot of people don't look at these small details a lot of people focus on the physical aspect uh you know even from today i've learned stuff i hope that people at home have learned stuff and i hope that people who are listening to this can even understand that i would say that i'm i wouldn't say highly educated in the aspect of scouting but i'd say that i've educated myself in uh a to get enough of an understanding what scouts look for because this is what's going to help me get to the highest level of performance that I can, right? And these are things that in all areas of life where I want to show that I'm trying to excel beyond the rest, going into the smaller details into things so that I can become the best version of myself because, yeah, a lot of people do kind of just plateau at this level of where they've reached and especially in professional football you know let's say the person gets their first professional contract they kind of just stop there they're kind of okay with being a, a professional football five years later maybe they're not a professional footballer anymore because the things that were helping them get to this level they just ditched as soon as they achieve that goal and i think it's very important that excelling keep on refining yourself keep on sculpting yourself as i've said even this episode today it's i'm sculpting myself to become better and better and better than everyone else because some people might not, you know, see this aspect of football where it's coming from a scout's perspective of football. They might not see this as valuable. But for me, I see this as extremely valuable because this is going to help me get to the highest version of high performance that Nicholas Cradical can get to. So, yeah, honestly, Connor, thank, thank you, you so, so much so for today's sorry, episode.
0: Just to, no, no, that's a good... Sorry, just to touch on that as well. I think it's also okay to to be just okay. I think there are we all at some we all want to strive to be the best person that we can be and our best is different to somebody else's best but that is okay I think there needs to be a real balance in that, in terms of don't don't put yourself so, like, don't put yourself under so much pressure just take it each step at a time can you be one percent better than what you was yesterday and it's okay to just be okay and and i think you i think some of the things that you've touched on today listen i've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed my time on the podcast and some of your questions have been really really sort of intriguing and it's, it's great to kind of have to think a little bit differently in in terms of in in what i see to some you know like I said at the beginning, I've been doing this for a long time, so naturally, I just go to a game and I do the things that are just naturally embedded in me for, from a from a young teenager. Um, so when you ask some questions, it's been really like challenged. It's challenged my mindset in terms of those things, and it's and it's really really great, and it's enabled me to kind of i go away and reflect on on some of the things I've said and the conversation that we've had. But I think it's okay to know that our level is our level. And if we can push through that scene, in, fantastic. But don't don't let that don't let that define you. Don't let that if you do fail at something, don't let that define you. Find another way. Define you. Find another way. But no, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really, I've really, really enjoyed myself, Nick. It's been it's been
1: great. No, I really appreciate it today. It's it's been a top episode, you know. I really love to hear football from another perspective. And even your last play just then, I think it's brilliant, you know. There's so many, so many golden nuggets that everyone can take from this episode. And, yeah, it's it's been top. So, Connor, again, I really appreciate your time today. And I hope that everyone listening can, you know, take a lot of lessons from this. Because this is not just a footballing podcast, right? This is for everyone in any endeavour to listen to. And, obviously... I have the most experience of football uh, Connor probably also has the most spirits of football in, in his life so we're going to be able to give anecdotes uh, in football but life is like football and I really hope that everyone today can take um, some valuable bits of information to implement in their life to become you know as Connor said 1% better and uh, yeah thank you so much
0: appreciate it thank you very much Nick